listening to a new season of A Pastor in His Newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's great to be back from the holiday break. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas and New Year's. Um, I know I did. It was nice to have some some time off and some time to be with uh, family. Um, I'll have to confess, um, I didn't get as much of the holiday reading list that I mentioned uh, to you and the like the second to last episode, uh, the penultimate episode of season one. It's kind of funny to say that about a podcast, but, um, but yeah, but, uh, and still, um, you know, when you're spending time with your children and spending time with family, you don't get as much time to read. So that's okay. God is good. So, um, but yeah, we are uh, going to break into a lot of, a lot of things to talk about over the next, uh, few episodes. Um, a lot of major events, uh, happening, uh, or have, ha- has happened. Uh, number one, we are going to talk next week about, um, Pope Benedict the 16th. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about him and what, what that does, how that affects the Catholic church going forward. And so we're talking about him next week. Uh, also some pro- protests going on in Brazil, some up, uh, disruption and uh, unrest in Brazil. I want to talk about that uh, this month. And I also want to talk about some of the, the movies and shows uh, coming out in 2023 at some point this month as well. And uh, a lot of, a lot of superhero movies, which makes me sad. I'm not, a, I'm not a superhero fan, but we'll get to that down the road. Um, just some updates, um, things that have happened since the last time. Uh, I've been, uh, I've done an episode, uh, but Georgia has won, won the national championship. It's two in a row for Georgia. Uh, I always used to make fun of Georgia fans because they always talked about how great they were, but then they hadn't won a national championship since 1980. Well, now they've won two, so I can't, uh, got to stop with those, those comments and those jokes. Uh, going forward. So they are the new kind of king of college football. And uh, it's kind of weird for me because we do, Tennessee does play them every year. They're, I guess, a rival. But, you know, Tennessee, Georgia wasn't good in the 90s. Um, and so I'm going to open a can here. So um, they weren't good in the 90s. We, I think Tennessee beat them like eight or nine years in a row when I was a kid. And so Georgia never really, we never had that hatred for Georgia. Um, and so them winning, like I should be a little, you know, frustrated, mad because one of our rivals has won two in a row, but I'm really not, uh, I, I can't stand Florida. Uh, so if you're a Florida fan, you listen to this, uh, God love you, but I'm just not a fan of, of you. I'm not a fan of your colors. I'm not a fan of your mascot, not a fan of Tebow, not a fan of Spurrier. The list goes on and on. Um, Alabama is kind of that, that respectful hate, you know, um, you know, Tennessee and Alabama have had a historical rivalry that goes back even, it's probably actually longer than, uh, Alabama Auburn, but, um, but yeah, you know, beating Alabama was sweet and satisfying and in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a distaste for, for Alabama that has, that is, uh, has, a, has some historical roots, but Georgia just doesn't have that for me. I think South Carolina is becoming that annoying program for, for me. And uh, I can't believe we lost to them this year. And the way that we lost to them really just, uh, affects me. So I have a, this whole, you know, the college football playoffs, people are like, Oh, how great those semifinal games. Like, ah, my ball should have been in the semifinals, right? They, they were just taking care of business against the game Cox. So, um, but anyways, that game against, uh, Georgia TCU was an embarrassment and an embarrassment to the sport. And, um, uh, Michigan should have been, I guess you could say it should have been Ohio state and TCU, but uh, I think we would have gotten a better game if it was Georgia, Michigan. 
but uh, but ultimately, I think we would have gotten the best game if it was Georgia, Alabama. I think those were probably talent wise the two best teams, and I think Tennessee would have done better even without Hooker against Georgia than TCU would have done. So, um, oh well. And so we would just kind of move on to next year. And uh, after the Super Bowl in February, we'll have that long, long season of no football and uh, have to get through that. So I don't know what I'll, I'll share as just kind of like nice little uh, introductions uh, to um, our our weekly episodes without college football. So we'll have to live on with that. So um, I want to talk about two kind of things today. And um, these are two issues. One is kind of a an interesting political political science um, topic that you may find interesting. And the other is the talking about the, the Speaker of the House uh, race. Obviously, it's over now. Um, McCarthy um, has, he did win um, the uh, Kevin McCarthy from California, the Republican from California, the 6th District, Bakersfield, I believe, um, Fresno, near Fresno Valley um, in California. But he has finally won the speakership. He got the 218 votes. But I want to talk a little, just about that and that particular story. Um, but first off, uh, an interesting uh, article that I read actually about a month ago um, and want to kind of bring this up and talk about it a little bit is um, an interesting article in the economist um, in December about um, what they're calling the mega state, which is um, the four biggest states um, population wise um, and economically is California, Florida, New York, and Texas. Uh, These four states make up a third of the population of America and a third of the national GDP, gross domestic product. So not only are these states make up a third of the population, a third of the economy of the United States, but they are laboratories for democracy. These pairs, so if if you say these are two separate pairs of states you have the uh, texas and florida and and california and uh, new york and they have two totally vision two totally different visions for america and the reason why is because they're a trifecta state meaning that um, these states are rolled by one party so for texas the governor is a republican the house um, legislation, the house, the, the state house is led by Republicans. That's the majority party. And then the majority party in the house Senate and, and, and the state Senate is Republican for California. It's the opposite. Governor is a Democrat. Uh, the state house is the majority party is the, is Democrats. And in the Senate, the house, the state Senate, it's the majority is the Democrats. Um, and so therefore the partisan there, you have these partisan policy experiments happening in these states. California and New York have high taxes, high regulation, high welfare. You have Texas and Florida, low taxes, low regulation. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to abortion, New York and California are expanding uh, um, the ability to have abortions. Texas and Florida are restricting uh, abortions. Um, when it comes to green energy policies, um, California and New York are 
highly restrictive. Uh, in California, they passed a law that by 2035, you will not be able to drive or, or sell. You know, we'll be able to sell a gas power automotive. That's totally different in Texas and Florida. They have no, no, they have no bill. They have no ban or future ban. Um, when it comes to drilling, when it comes to fossil fuels, uh, Texas and Florida, you're able to drill. Uh, California and Florida, New York have far more restrictions on uh, drilling for fossil fuels. Um, so you have totally different visions for the state, uh, I mean, for the country. Um, you have um, really what if you want to see the future of the Democratic Party, look at these two states, California and New York. If you want to see the future of the Republican Party, look at Texas and look at Florida. The issues that they champion will potentially be the issues that the, the Republican Party and the Democrats champion nationally. Um, and so when we see kind of going forward, what are some things to watch in these these four states is the people. What is the population growth? Uh, California, New York actually lost in the, in the new census. They lost congressional seats. They actually declined in population, mostly because of covid Again, California, New York had far higher restrictions on when during COVID. Florida and Arizona and, and Texas had low regulations on, um, on on schools during COVID and businesses and things like that and masks going forward. Um, and so, high taxes, people rejection of high taxes, businesses uh, rejection of of high regulations. They move out of states like California, New York, and they move to. Uh, tax havens like Texas and Florida. One example is Tesla and Elon Musk. He moved Tesla out of California, moved them to Austin, to Texas uh, because of low taxes, because of low regulations in Texas. Um, so, so far, uh, it seems like more people are are embracing the conservative experiments and the conservative policies over the more liberal policies of Texas and Florida. Uh, So uh, the second thing is pay attention to the policy issues. What do these states take up? What are the issues that they, that they take up? Where bills do they pass going forward, especially when it comes to climate change, uh, when it comes to abortion, uh, immigration, and other of these type of issues will become the issues that become a part of the national conversation. Uh, these states, these pairs of states are real beacons of the two parties. Um, and so what we see these states do will become what will become the talking points in these national campaigns, presidential campaigns going forward. Uh, the third thing to watch is kind of a direct confrontation. The interesting thing is the next presidential election, we may potentially have the governor of California and the governor of Florida facing against one another. Uh, Gavin, Gavin uh, Newsom of California, the governor, and then Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Um, and so we'll see maybe on full display these two visions for America and what is accepted going forward. Um, that should be very interesting to watch, uh, to watch. And so, you know, um, 
to kind of put a put a conclusion on this particular story is you know why this is important for us as Christians going forward is because these states do have a lot of power and there's a lot of people that live there um, and more people are moving to these states especially Texas and Florida and the demographics of these states are very interesting um, in in Florida in particular it's becoming the, the 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 amount of Hispanic voters is growing, but yet the state con- continues to become more conservative going forward too. So you see the change of voting patterns by Hispanic voters, as I mentioned a few episodes ago during the midterm election. Uh, it was the first time, and I think since the early two thousands, that Miami Day voted primarily for Republican candidates: Ron DeSantis, um, Rubio. And also maybe the congressional, I can't, can't remember exactly, but the congressional uh, race there as well. So it's interesting, again, as, as more Hispanic voters uh, become um, uh, able to vote in the United States, um, where they end up voting, because it seems like they're moving to Texas and Florida. And if, it can, if this pattern continues, that means that, that they're becoming more, um, more Republican. Um, so... Moving on from that. So with that being said, we have to think about where we're planning churches, where we're doing ministry uh, amongst these populations. Um, Again, more people are moving into these areas. How are we reaching them with the gospel? Different people, different demographics of people are moving into our areas. How can we reach them with the gospel? So we have to think that way. We have to be strategists. Uh, Paul was a strategist. He planted churches in the biggest cities of the Roman Empire so that it would exp- so that it would densely kind of bleed into the surrounding area, which it did. Um, and we know this from uh, him saying that the entire region of, of, of the area around Ephesus had heard the gospel. Well, he didn't share the gospel with everyone, but because he reached cities like Ephesus, it eventually led to the surrounding areas. And so we have to think that way and, and really kind of prioritize maybe these four mega states as we think about church planning and ministry. The second issue that I want to talk about um, deals with the new Congress. So the uh, 118th Congress has just been um, um, actually finally has uh, started to legislate. And the reason why it's taken most uh, several you know days within January is because of the inability uh, to elect a Speaker of the House. Now, the Republicans being the majority party um, because the Democrats lost um, in the midterm election, um, Nancy Pelosi has stepped down from the speakership because her party is no longer the majority. Um, she's actually passed over leadership of uh, being the minority leader to uh, Hank, uh, Hackam, Hackam uh, Jeffries from New York, a moderate Democrat from New York. She's passed on... Um, um, leadership to him. And so you see a change in leadership, even within the democratic party going forward in their future, but Republicans, the, the kind of the thought process leading up to January is that, uh, Kevin McCarthy would, the Republican from the sixth district in California would be the new speaker. He was the minority leader prior to the midterm election that it would be, he's been kind of waiting and biting, uh, biting his time uh, for uh, his election um, into the speakership. But yet there were 42 Republicans of the freedom caucus, a very, very far right um, group within the Republican party and in, in the house that held up his election. 
And they saw this as an opportunity uh, to get some kind of process issues, some um, you know voting procedural things changed that they wanted to get changed, and that their issues are championed by this particular speaker in this particular Congress. Uh, the way that it works is the the Speaker of the House is the is is the first and most important um, official election that happens for a new Congress to be able to start governing with no speaker. There's no legislation that progresses. No new members uh, can be sworn in. He, that has to happen first. So when that was delayed because he couldn't win the 218 votes, it delayed and, and, and held back any type of new legislation. And so what ended up happening was a stubbornness by the Freedom Caucus. They continued not to vote for Kevin McCarthy, um, and therefore it went round after round after round. Um, and it was, a, it was a humiliation not only to McCarthy, but I think the entire Republican Party, so much that it was, the, it was, the, um, it was, it was historic. We haven't had this, um, con- this, this much conflict over a speaker since before the Civil War, which, you know, you had the issue of slavery, hence you understood why there was so much uh, division uh, at that particular time in American history. Um, so we know that we are a very polarizing country. We didn't know we were that divided, uh, that we're bringing in, uh, kind of connections to pre-Civil War, but that's kind of what ended up happening. Now, eventually he did get, um, elected in. Um, and I think what some are seeing this as is kind of one of the major issues going on with American politics is just the narcissism of, of both parties seeing this as an opportunity for opportunity for grandstanding for kind of getting your 15 minutes of fame so that you're on Fox news or talk radio being able to talk about, uh, your reason for being, uh, holding up this, uh, procedure, um, and, and kind of getting your moment in the sun. Now, McCarthy did have to make a lot of consensus to uh, some of these members. Some of these members uh, were Matt uh, Gatz of, of Florida um, and also um, uh, Lauren uh, Boggett from Colorado. Uh, there were a few others uh, that were a part of this uh, Freedom Caucus that were stubborn and were not voting for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, eventually, he had, had made some concessions on their, their desires for rule changes. Um, and, and so he... I think it's I think it's proper to say it's probably one of the weakest um, speakers to ever take the gavel um, going forward because he's again he's now he's in the pockets of the of the Freedom Caucus and the Freedom Caucus is you know very uh, pro Trump but also um, they're so far to the to the right of the party that they will hold up um, a lot of, of, of legislation and bills um, because they, they like the fight they like the, the, they like the fight going and they're going to, they're going to raise a lot of fights going forward. A few of these issues that, that Republicans are going to need to tackle uh, this particular year is the debt ceiling. Um, 
will there be a government shutdown because the speaker is so weak and the freedom caucus will due to government, due to government spending and being very hawkish, they will cause a government shutdown. Uh, the other issue is Ukraine and continuing to support their armed forces going forward. Will, cause some of the freedom caucus are libertarians. They are, um, anti interventionist, um, and they are American first, you know, that slogan that was popular in the 2016 election, uh, in the Trump presidency of America first and dealing with our problems and not really being involved in the world's problems. Well, we're kind of in a, in a, in a situation we're supporting the Ukrainians against the Russians. Um, and will we continue to support them? And will Kevin McCarthy be able to lead Congress to pass some of these appropriational type measures to get money and weapons to the Ukraine. The other issue is border. Um, the border is a major issue. Uh, will Republicans be able to speak and lead with one voice because what's going, what's going to happen in two years is a presidential election and the border is going to be a major issue in that election. Uh, and we, we potentially may have an Hispanic, uh, candidate. Um, and so I think it's important for Republicans to speak, uh, to get this issue right, to, to speak, to be artic- more articulate than the Democrats on this issue. If they are going to be able to, to, as we talked about with the mega states, be able to present a clear vision on the border that speaks about, um, the importance of security, but also how to, um, um, how do we, I mean, one of the things I mentioned in an episode before is the importance of Hispanic workers and those are important. Um, and how do we, how do we, how do we understand this issue economically and with national security implications? So it's important for Republicans to speak with one voice and not a lot of different micro voices that will be very confusing and, um, and will not be persuasive by the electric when it comes to 2024. So, um, again, we, uh, these issues do kind of go uh, side by side. They do interact. They do. There's a bridge and a crossroads to these issues. Um, and I think it's important in this very complex uh, world that we live in. We live in a, in a day and age where people are wanting to, again, get their moment in the sun. Narcissism is a bigger issue today than it ever was. Um, people focusing only on themselves and, and there's very little unity going forward. We see this with the speakership, people basically holding up a election that that was going was pretty much a they weren't going to be able to prevent Kevin McCarthy from getting elected. He was the he was the strong um, he was the candidate that was he was biding his biding his time. He was the uh, everyone thought he would be the new speaker going forward going into January. And these forty two saw this as an opportunity uh, to win some point with their base. Um, to get their their issues across, to get some procedural things passed and fixed that they were that they cared about, and now they have created a situation where the speaker is so weak. Um, will he be able to do much of anything going forward? Um, uh, you know, the um, Machiavelli and the Prince, one of the great political books uh, written um, in in you know in history talks about a leader either has to be loved or feared, but you can't be loved and feared at the same time. Um, and he says it's better to, uh, to be feared than to be loved. Well, Kevin McCarthy's mistake is, is that he's trying to be feared and also be loved. And these 42 Congress uh, congressmen do not love him, nor do they fear him. 
Um, and so therefore he is a weak leader and it'll probably be shown, um, in his leadership going forward that, uh, he doesn't hold, um, uh, the reins of leadership uh, very strongly, and um, and that will maybe prevent him from being a, a strong leader. Um, so these are, I think, it's important to pray for him, um, pray for the Congress, pray that uh, that God would use them to accomplish His will, uh, pray for uh, for Jeffries, for Hakeem uh, uh, Jeffries as well, um, pray for these leaders. Uh, many of them are not Christians. Um, many are agnostic or atheist or, um, and, uh, they do not, um, they do not pray to God. They do not see him as Lord and ruler. Um, they feel they are autonomous to God. They have no accountability to God. Um, and that's foolishness and pray that, that God would reveal to them who he is, that they would come to serve him because he is the true Lord. He is the true master. He's the true King. He's the true ruler. Um, and they do not serve a party. They do not serve a president. They do not serve electric. They serve a King and Lord Jesus Christ. And the sooner that they realize that, uh, the sooner they will be able to actually lead properly and well and with wisdom. So pray for them, pray that God would use them, pray that, that they don't know Jesus and they would come to know him. Um, and as you, as you think, I remember I've mentioned this in an episode in the past, uh, some of you have, um, um, you have, um, um, uh, you have goals this year going into 2023. Uh, please share those with me. If you have, I remember I mentioned about reading. If you have goals to read books this year, I'd love to hear those. My wife is going to try to read 20 books this year. And so if you have some goals, please uh, uh, let me know. Email me um, at mcastro at centralchurch.com. I uh, would love to hear what God has placed on your heart, some goals that you have, especially what books you plan on reading this year. We'd love to hear those. And some good places that you can go is Kevin DeYoung's uh, website and Al Moeller's website presents some really good book suggestions for you. Some good books that will encourage you that will be thought-provoking for you to read. Uh, some good news for you as we close this episode. You can get this podcast now on Central Church's website. Uh, you can go to the men's page, Central Church forward slash men, and you can watch, listen to these podcast episodes. Um, you actually listen to the ones in the past and the upcoming ones and this one on there. So that's really good. You can also obviously get them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the other places that you get your podcasts. So I uh, want to encourage you to, to continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand. Um, and so it's been great to be back with you. Look forward to a great season of, uh, of a pastor's newspaper. And so this has been Dr. Castro, and have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you next week.